Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. We have a very exciting guest today that I just got off a call with. Her name is Christina Mand, and she is the co-founder of Mind Valley. Uh, and she has been in the personal transformation industry for over 17 years. She is an incredibly talented international speaker, entrepreneur, artist, philanthropist, and a mother of two kids. She is also the author of a transformational quest, uh, seven days to happiness and live by your own rules. Christina talks about personal transformation, authenticity, understanding, and accepting oneself and a path to happiness. She was recognized as one of the top 10 influential people online making a difference in the world today and was awarded the Influencers for Change Award by Global Impact Creators or GIC. So, you know, Mind Valley is a very well-known, very well-established um body of work. She calls, she refers to it as essentially a university, but it really is its own entity. I'm sure you guys have come across Mind Valley and its speakers and, um, you know, they've, they've got a lot of marketing out there. I, it was something that I was very aware of early on in my journey. Uh, I've watched and participated in a whole bunch of their content. And so to get to talk to Christina today, who is the wife of Vision, who is, uh, often the one who, you know, people, know in terms of his association and being the founder of Mind Valley. It was just a really amazing opportunity to talk to someone who has participated in and and you know been such a huge part of the starting of and then the growing of something as big as Mind Valley. And so uh you know just talking about how she enjoys doing things in her own business, how it is that she has helped to create Mind Valley to be what it is today and having something that started with just an idea and turning it into something that impacts the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, I know is something that everybody listening is interested in hearing about. So uh without further ado, here is my interview with Christina Mand. You're listening to the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Saunders. I'm a business and manifestation mentor for modern entrepreneurs who know that deep down, there's a better, smarter, and easier way to manifest the next level success they desire. On this podcast, we explore a very different approach to growing your business and income quickly, and it has nothing to do with hustling hard or discovering the perfect marketing strategy. By understanding the power of my thoughts and training myself to think in energetic alignment with the reality that I desired, I went from teacher to 20 and $30,000 months in just two years in my online business. If there's one thing I know to be true, it's that we're each vastly capable of creating hugely successful businesses that light us up and set us free. I'm here to share with you the knowledge and strategies needed to manifest the success you want. I truly believe that you can become, create, and achieve anything you desire, and it's just a matter of changing your thoughts in order to change your life. So let's get started. Hi, Christina. Welcome to The Aligned Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, hi, and uh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like you have just such a wealth of experience and knowledge, and uh, I've told my audience a little bit about you in our intro, but I would love for you to introduce yourself, let us know who you are and what it is that you do as an entrepreneur. Um, well, uh, the very short introduction is that I'm a co-founder of Mind Valley, mm -hmm. and I, yes, I am an entrepreneur foremost. But in addition to that, I am also an everyday life philosopher, an author, and sp a speaker. I'm actually an author of a book which is not finished yet. Um, so 
in addition to that, a lot of other things uh, in my life. I think I have a full life with a lot of different facets to it. I love that. That really was um, the nutshell version. I'm very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you say, I, I love what you said, you're an everyday life philosopher. What does that mean? It's a title I invented for myself mm-hmm. um, since I started talking about uh, pretty much everyday life <laughs> on Instagram about things in life. And I have a very philosophical approach to, to what happens in my life. I believe there are two things when, um, or two, two cures when life is a little bit unpredictable or unexpected or sometimes maybe not what you wanted. There are two cures to that. One of them is philosophical approach. Another one is humorous approach. So humor, humor, I'm not very strong with that, although I like to laugh. But uh, I figured that life should be just taken philosophically. It's so much easier, mm. so much more enjoyable. So that's yes. that's why what I mean when I say everyday life philosopher. I love that. I think we don't do nearly enough of that. It really is <laughs> so, as simple as that. So before you, you know, have you always been an entrepreneur? What was sort of your, what's your story in terms of you know, building what you've built, becoming who you are, where did you come from? What did you used to do? Could you let us know? Uh, Yes. So a little bit more... official biography of mine uh, starts in uh, in a country which doesn't exist anymore, Soviet Union. I was born in Soviet Union. I grew up in Soviet Union. And uh, I was uh, in my late teens when things started changing. So I am very much uh, formed or the result of the, the product of that uh, obscure country which doesn't exist anymore. So as part of that is... Um, Entrepreneurship was never uh, part of my plan for the future, mostly because in Soviet days it wasn't allowed. It was punishable by law. You'd end up in jail, essentially, wow. if you tried uh, being an entrepreneur. So obviously, I never thought of it as anything, as a career or something I'd like to do. Uh, and in addition to that, I didn't have any role models or anything to look up to. Because when I was in my teens and the Soviet Union collapsed and we started building up free economies, obviously the uh, the business wasn't what it is right now. There was a lot of grabbing who gets what because before everything belonged to no one and then things needed uh, to find owners. So it was a very turbulent and curious time. And for me, from an early age, entrepreneurship was associated with something either illegal or criminal or incredibly dangerous. Mm. Uh, In addition to that, uh, I was brought up in a very pragmatic society, uh, obviously, Soviet Union didn't believe in a lot of things. Uh, so self-help and personal growth and transformation uh, in the society where I come from uh, were considered for losers, for people who can't figure mm. it out. Because apparently, you're supposed to know how to live. <laughs> just, <laughs> just by virtue of being born, yeah. you're supposed to know how to live. You know how to breathe, you know how to walk, you should know how to live. Right. So this was my background. But on the other hand, I guess I was very lucky with my parents because I had always trust in, in the process, in, in the universe or wh- whatever you want to believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned to follow my heart, to have strong principles and values, not to uh, not to compromise what's important to me. Uh, and uh, I ended up in both in personal growth and in business by chance. I married Vision, who is the founder of Mindvalley, the famous founder of Mindvalley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the less famous one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he was the one who, who was doing all of that. I was uh, just trying to help him as a wife. 
Uh, and that's how I ended up in this uh, business. Little did I know that uh, 15 years later, I will discover that this is my calling. I'm in the right place. Nothing is yeah. by chance and I'm doing the right thing. But I learned everything along the way without ever having any design of doing what I'm doing. Uh, in fact, I studied for a politician. I studied international politics. I studied um, public administration. So uh, I started my career in government. I made my career really fast. So it's, it is a very new and different world for me. Well, not new anymore, but it was a new world for me. <laughs> Well, sort of new every single day as an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. That I actually didn't know that about the Soviet Union. And so when you first started, you know, getting into the world of entrepreneurship, was that something that you had to overcome? Because like you said, you'd associated it with being illegal or all of these other things. Was that something that you had to transform first? Or was it just like you knew intuitively that it was what you were being called towards, even with the background that you have? So I'll, I'll give you probably a little bit uh, abstract answer first and then come okay. down and narrow, narrow it down to the exact answer. I think when... Um, there is this interesting myth that whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which is actually a huge myth and not true. Because <laughs> if you look around the world, you'll see a lot of, uh, well, the thing is that things happen to us and whether yes. they're going to bring, break us or make us depends on the circumstances that we are in. It depends on our support system. It depends on, um, you know, on our worldview and, and beliefs and ideas. So, uh, in my case, when Soviet Union collapsed and uh, my world changed, uh, it was turned upside down. Uh, and then I got married and I moved to US, a completely different world. Uh, it was one of those forks in the road where there was an option for it to either break me or actually make me stronger. So I believe that I was just uh, lucky, as I said. I had good parents who gave me uh, amazing um, resilience and, and lightness. Uh, in life. And I had Vision who uh, supported me a lot and a lot of things which I thought were impossible. He told me, of course, you should just try. So he, he was one of those people who, and still is, uh, who uh, who, who just uh, believes in doing things, even if if you don't think it's possible. Mm. So I had a good support. I had good uh, good ideas about the world and trust, as I said, trust that everything is going to be fine. So I believe that uh, for me this transition wasn't painful at all. It was uh, something which children possess still: mm -hmm. the wonder, the curiosity, the let's try. You know, when you uh, ask a child to play an instrument for the first time. They're not scared. They take it yes. and they start playing it. And even if it sounds horrible, they don't care. It's an exciting process. So for me, uh, getting into entrepreneurship was very similar to that. I fortunately still at that time uh, had enough uh, silliness and craziness in me not to bother and to take it as an experiment. Let's try. What's the worst thing that can happen? And I think that's and the support that I had uh, is what what made the transition really easy. Oh, that is, uh, I love that answer. Um, and I wanted to ask, like, it, it's amazing talking to you because Mind Valley, when I started in this whole world four or five years ago now, was sort of one of the first, uh, just the first places that I came across. I came across it on YouTube. Um, 
and first sort of bodies of work and teachings that I really resonated with when I was, I felt like I was just, you know, a tadpole swimming in an ocean because I was so new to all of it. And I would love to hear sort of the, the story of, you know, the two of you founding and co-founding Mind Valley and what that looked like. Um, I think I read here, it began as a, like a meditation business, which I didn't actually know about it. And now, you know, it's something that is world renowned. Everybody I know knows about Mind, Mind Valley. What did the creation process of that look like? How did it get started? And then how did it, how has it grown? So I'll, I'll give you a slightly funny answer first. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we have two children with vision, the physical, biological kids, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, a boy and a girl, and I'm the mama. <laughs> he's a good dad, but I'm the mama. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to my own valley, it's reverse. He's the mama. I'm just, okay. I'm just the passing by dad. <laughs> so... Um, it was and is uh, a birth child of vision. It was around his uh, values, his passion, what he was doing. I happened to be around that. It took me 10, maybe even 15 years when I found my own passion in it. But I also have my own distinct path. So I'm mm -hmm. not part of everyday life in Mind Valley, in, in, in okay. English Mind Valley, usually. Uh, I am working for it. I'm part of it. But it's, uh, as I said, I'm not the very, very known right. co-founder. Yet, what I do have is that I was there from the very beginning. So I remember the day when we uh, registered the domain name or when I insisted that uh, we, have to, uh, we have to incorporate properly because I had read, uh, I had nothing better to do in New York. I'd, I had read you know, Robert <laughs> Kiyosaki. So I'm like, guys, before it's too late, let's incorporate. So uh, yes, the truth is that uh, Mind Valley did start as a side business uh, because Vision uh, studied uh, programming and he was in tech. Uh, that was, uh, well, that was his path at that time. But he also was really genuinely interested in personal growth transformation. And uh, at that time, it was the Silver Method, which is... Uh, uh, meditation technique, uh, although technique is a little too narrow word for it. It's like mm -hmm. a old school, uh, its own system. Uh, mm -hmm. So he studied Silver Method. He became an instructor uh, because uh, Silver Method had helped him a lot. And uh, he, he actually started the site under the name of Mind Valley to uh, build an audience and to fill his uh, life classes on Silver Method and meditation. That's right. the true story of how Mind Valley started <laughs> in, uh, I believe, 2003. But of course, it has uh, gone through a lot of transformations since then. Uh, now, nowadays, nobody remembers that time. Although it's sometimes funny to find the old, the old designs, the old logos, the old sites. Mm. But uh, we did go through a lot of transformation. There have been a lot of uh, people who have uh, influenced the way Mind Valley had grown. At the moment, it's definitely it's not what it was when we started. It had mm -hmm. grown beyond us. It had grown bigger than the founders, bigger than the people who work for it, bigger than the partners, even bigger than the authors, because it is a uh, uh, it's an entity on its own. Yes. Uh, and um, the, the transformation was, uh, again, it was a lot of trust in the process. Uh, we, uh, Vision uh, started marketing his own meditation courses, but it worked well. So other people, other teachers asked him to help uh, market, market them. So we became uh, a publishing house at some, at some point, at some point. Then later, we started working with the best authors in the world because we just grew and um, had more experience and, and more, uh, more to show for what we were doing. But it was about um, 
a little less than 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, when we uh, when we uh, reimagined what we are. So uh, we are an educational institution right now. Uh, an educational institution for which it's hard to find a name. We tried calling ourselves a university, but that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit loaded word. But right. essentially what we are trying to do is that we are trying to give people uh, knowledge, teachers, community, uh, whatever they need to learn how to live an extraordinary, happy, mm. fulfilled, meaningful life. Exactly what I was saying. If I come back to my own experience when I said, you know, in Soviet Union, people believe that if you need that knowledge, you're a loser, aren't you supposed to know? But the funny thing is that maybe we are supposed to know, but we don't. Yeah. And then when we get our children, we start frantically learning and, and trying to find knowledge how to, how to raise children, how to not to traumatize them. A simple example, I speak Estonian to my children, Vision speaks English. And my parents told me, oh, don't confuse children. I went online to make a huge research on is it okay to be bilingual from birth. So the thing is that we don't know answers to very important right. questions in our lives. But that would have been half a problem. We are not even trained to seek the answers, trained to look for professional help. And that's exactly what Mind Valley is trying to, to fill the void, to, to give people that place, those teachers, that knowledge, which society can't agree upon. And that's why we are not taught in school. A place to give people answers to really important questions. This is something you, you said, basically. Yes. Um, I, that is beautiful. And actually, you, you had talked about it becoming its own entity. And I was going to ask you about that because... You know, I'd love to know, is it something that you both have this bigger and bigger vision for, or is it something that you had a vision for and vision had a vision for that has kind of taken on a life of its own and, and snowballed into something that maybe you didn't even know you could create a vision for, or maybe a combination of both? Well, I've always uh, seen Mind Valley bigger than it was at that moment. I've always lived mm, in the future okay. in some way. Vision has huge, crazy ideas, and he really, well, crazy in a good way. Uh, he has massive, grand ideas, and he believes in them, and he believes in uh, in his team, and he, he believes in us being able to do that. But when it comes to how it evolved, I think uh, everything in life evolves like that. We're just not always aware of that. Yes. We start something, and we think that that's how it's going to be. Uh, you know, uh, movies actually show it very beautifully in a very concise form. You have a plan, you uh, set out to to go by the plan, but everything goes wrong. And in the end, you end up somewhere uh, and you end up getting what you wanted, but it's better and bigger uh, than what you planned. Well, at least in movies, it's like that. In life, unfortunately, yes. it's not always like that. But that's that's the truth about life. We think that we are in control. So I have a great plan. I have a great idea. Let me implement it. Let, let me run it. And that's what I want to get. But the reality is that uh, nothing is really in our hands completely. Yeah. Our children are not our creation. Our businesses are not our creation. And it's a delusion to believe for an entrepreneur that, oh, this is my thing. Let me, let me do, let me do it my way. Yes, you are the biggest boss in a way. You have the right of veto, but you have to let go of that baby yeah. and understand that it will be stronger and better if you allow it to evolve together with the, uh, with the universe and not and, and with your audience and with your uh, team. You you cannot force yourself uh, on your uh, your babies, whether business babies or, or biological real babies. 
I love this distinction. I've been thinking about this a lot lately where, you know, I think in the conscious creation or manifestation world, if you will, it's, it a lot of the time gets misconstrued as a means to control everything. Like I'll grow this six figure or seven figure business and this course is going to have these many, uh, these many signups and this much revenue. And this is going to go exactly this way. And it just does not work that way. And even if it did, you know, it would be boring. (laughs) First of all, we could predict everything the way that it's going to happen. And so I really have taken much, I mean, especially lately, much more of an approach of like, I'm going to do what feels good. And I have a vision, but I'm not in control of how and when, it manifests and what it looks like when it does. You know, it's a it's a great skill though. I have a I have a woman in my team who I value very highly, and she has this awesome skill of seeing things like that, like a matrix. I guess she just has a different lens on, on her eyes. I think it's an amazing skill, and some entrepreneurs have that too. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. I yeah. do believe that. Um, and then being an entrepreneur is a creative process. But then again, I'm a very specific type of entrepreneur. So. Uh, I don't mind one approach or the other, as long as you are okay with things not going as you planned, mm-hmm. as, as long as you, um, you know that that may happen, that you remember that, you know, the, the, the most important thing that you have is you and your health and your sanity and your clarity of mind. Everything else is fixable. And yes, sometimes it's amazing to have numbers and sometimes those numbers just don't work out and sometimes they work out better than you expected. Whichever way it goes, can you adjust to the way it goes? Because you have to adjust both to to things not working out like you wanted and to things working out better than you wanted. And to things working out the way you thought, everything requires constant, constant alertness and being present and adjusting and and and, and just just remembering that um it's it's an illusion to think that you control anything. You don't. <laughs> I think it just helps to to take it easy if you if you remember that little thing. I agree. Well, and this comes back to what you're saying about, you know, being a, a philosophy or sorry, <laughs> philosopher of, of your, of your, how did you say that again? Everyday life philosopher. <laughs> right. Everyday philosopher. Um, and I mean, I, yeah, I agree that some people do seem to be able to manifest from this place of almost like an insistence of like, this is how it's going to go. But anytime that I've attempted it, not only does it often not work, but it requires you to be just constantly you know, monitoring your thoughts. And like, for me, it's like, is that really freedom? I guess it is for some people. <laughs> but you know, I think it's, uh, it's how you want to look at that. If that works for you, it's great. And right. I actually don't think there are any recipes in life and there is yes. one size fits all, at least not, not that I've noticed in the 18 years in the industry. Uh, and there's another aspect, uh, we need different tools for different uh, periods in our life. So sometimes you might have to to exercise a lot of mental control. Maybe that's that's what you need right now. And sometimes you have to let go and trust the uh, trust the universe. I have done both, and I know for a fact that I prefer trusting the universe. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, you have to do your work, but uh, sometimes when you try to try so hard to be in control, you're not letting. Uh, something bigger. And I'm going to sound very metaphorical, especially for a post-Soviet person right now, but sometimes you're not allowing the magic to happen just because you're controlling it so hard. So, um, 
I, I don't want to condemn uh, one way or, or promote another way or make a judgment on that or anything of that, especially that we are talking quite um, generally right now. But I do, uh, I, you know, I have a theory of surface and hustlers. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a theory of how how we run in our life in in professional lives. So I'm more of a surfer uh, by nature, mm-hmm. and I prefer I enjoy that regime more. So uh, the way I explain it is that um, we are uh, equating usually success to hustling. That's just how a society has been mm-hmm. um, has been trained for for. Well, at least the last half a hundred years. I don't know how it was before, but since since the industrial revolution, we believe in hustling, and hustling in essence is uh, based in resistance. So, if I bring an analogy with the gym, if you go to the gym, you put weights uh, on your machines so that your muscles feel pain because when your muscles break, uh, tear, and feel pain, you know that you've exercised well. So, if you don't feel pain, you add. Uh, add uh, weight. So the same with resistance. If you equate success to hustling and resistance, if you get success in any other way, you start being suspicious. Either it's, um, mm. you know, either it's not sustainable or it's fishy. You get the imposter syndrome uh, and you are afraid that it's not going to last. It's not real. It's not the, the real thing. Or maybe, maybe the, you, you could have gotten better success because you equate hustling to success. So you need resistance. And if you don't get resistance, you will create it subconsciously. There is even the new tendency, which I find really funny. It's called something about procrastination. It's like um, active procrastination or something like that. Because people, so there, there is a category of people who want to put themselves into stressful conditions because they believe that they function better in, under stress, which is a hugely questionable uh, statement. Uh, so there is another regime, which I believe, and I call it surfing. And the way it works is exactly what it's called. And I, by the way, I don't know how to surf, but I've seen surfing. <laughs> uh, I've only done b- body surfing and it, it was... Uh, It was amazingly fun. So how it works is that you are waiting for your wave. You are there on the sea paddling. You are, uh, you know, you are in shape and you are prepared. But the important thing is not to paddle. The important thing is to to catch the wave and to jump on your board and to ride this wave to the shore. So I believe that I'm much more by nature, I'm a surfer. Again, as I said, I don't believe in absolutes. So you need to do hustling. You need to do surfing. And I believe we have to com- combine those both regimes. But I prefer if my default regime is surfing. Because for me, I equate uh, entrepreneurship to creation. It's a creative process. You create something which did not exist. As an artist, because I, was, I used to study art, I know that creation doesn't happen in a hamster's wheel. So hustling is the maintenance and execute an, an executive regime. And sometimes you have to put it on. But creative regime is surfing. So I I do prefer being a surfer as much as I can, but I'm also prepared to be a hustler from time to time. And just to end this long answer, uh, I just want to propose, you know, another another idea about success. I remember I I was a straight-A student when I was a a kid. Uh, It wasn't much of a choice. It was pretty much an obligation in the Soviet system. So when my mom went to school, she was told, you know, Christina is good at, at this and that, but uh, her mathematics is, is going down a little bit. Why doesn't she do more mathematics? 
And uh, I would put more effort into something which is hard for me, like chemistry. I don't get chemistry at all. Uh, because uh, in that system, success meant having all A's in every single subject for as long as you could. And we learned, and I believe a lot of people uh, had a similar experience, we learned from a very early age, to become successful, you have to do things that you don't do well. And by the way, notice I'm not saying the things you don't want to do or you don't like to do or unpleasant, but the things that don't work for you, the things that you're not naturally good at. And occasionally, as I said, there are no absolutes. But imagine if uh, my mom came to school and the teacher said, oh, maybe her mathematics is not really good and maybe chemistry is not really good, but she's really good with languages. Maybe right. she should put more uh, time into literature, writing, reading, all of that. So if we... Uh, dedicated more time doing things that we are naturally good at, that we really love, rather than if we did more of what we were bad at. Maybe we would equate success to something different, not to resistance, stress, hustling, and, and feeling pain. Ugh, all of that resonates so much. And I love that metaphor of surfing, waiting for the wave to come. And I really hear what you're saying where, you know, it, it's about as an individual deciding what resonates with you and what that balance looks like for you personally and, and trusting that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's interesting, like where hustling worked at one point in my business, it really doesn't anymore because it just doesn't, I just, I see how much it's not, um, sustainable long-term. I don't want to be doing it. And therefore when I try, it comes from lack and then it doesn't even work anyways. Um, so I want to hear a little bit about what it is that you do, because as you said, you, um, support vision, uh, vision in the, in his mind Valley, uh, you know, vision and continuing to build that. What is it that you do personally um, outside of Mind Valley, what does that look like? Is there because I know that you know you have some some courses and you have uh, something you call uh, oh a framework for virtual a virtual hack. Sorry, no, let me read this correctly. Helps our students to virtually hack happiness, which I highlighted <laughs> in your bio because I loved it so much. Um, yeah, what does your business look like right now? Um, what are you helping people to do? So. Um I was about 40 when um, I started getting through a major crisis. <laughs> I guess okay. it's called midlife crisis, right? <laughs> so one of the things that I did was I slammed the door on what I used to do for, at that time, about 15, 15 years. I, did, uh, I was purely entrepreneur, marketer, and, and this kind of things, And I was doing it well. But I started searching for myself, and I took a sabbatical. Uh, fortunately, I have this really lucky way of... Uh, of uh, running teams and, and leading people is that I prefer to let people do what they're good at and, yeah. and not to hover over them. So I could afford leaving my business uh, for a few months and, and trying to find myself. So it was uh, in my 40s when I decided to uh, try a different, um, different approach and to do in my business only the things that only I can do and let everybody else do the things that I might be doing better than they do, but they can do it anyway. So an, a, a very simple analogy um, 
I used to clean apartments until I was about 25, got married and left my parents' house. So I, I can clean apartment really well, way better than any professional cleaners. It's just in my blood. I'm the cleaning <laughs> type of person, but I would not waste my time on that. And even when I lived in Asia, I used to have an 11 maid. Even if I could walk around the apartment the whole day, noticing the things that she did wrong, I didn't do that. I gave up my perf uh, perfectionism in that area. Why? Because it's not the best uh, use of my time, obviously. So it might seem like a very simple analogy, but I applied the same approach to uh, work. Uh, because at home, by delegating everything that somebody else can do, maybe not better than me, but they can do it and they can do it well enough, uh, I bought myself time to learn new hobbies, to actually spend time with my children, quality time, not exhausted. Uh, to, I, I bought a harp and started learning harp at 30-something. Mm. So I applied the same uh, idea to my business, and I decided that in business, I will only do the things that only I can do, and no one else, which the, the things where I'm irreplaceable. And it turned out that the only thing that I can do and no, nobody else is uh, speak and write in my own name. <laughs> which I'm doing and which I'm enjoying very much. And that's how I became an all-time speaker. Mm. Uh, I just gave up all the other, all the other work. And uh, surprisingly, you know, as a straight-A student and a perfectionist and a good girl, obviously, uh, you know, we, we ambitious people are talented in everything. <laughs> At least that's what we think. But surprisingly, when I uh, delegated even the things that I thought I was good at, uh, I suddenly realized that my business thr thrived even better mm. uh, because um, I sincerely believe that every single person has to do only what is their absolute genius and allow everybody else to do other things. And in business, bringing these uh, analogies is a little harder because it depends on your style of business, but household is so easy to understand. You don't need to clean your house if there is someone whose life depends on that. Maybe it's their genius zone. So the same with business. I don't need to do the marketing. Sometimes I like to apply my old marketing skill and I still write the best letters. But I don't need to do it my everyday work if my genius lies somewhere else. Yes. Yes. So what does that actually – and I love what you're saying because it's it's more of the letting go of resistance, right? Like when you're in your zone of genius and you're allowing that to be the thing that you get to focus on, it just feels so good, so aligned. Um, and I also love what you said about not hovering over your team members. Like I really believe the more that you hover over someone, the less good of a job they're going to do. Whereas when you just show them, I, I trust you. I know that you've, you know, you, you know what to do. Um, that's when they really want to show up for you. I have a team myself. And I just, I don't, they check in with me more than I check in with them because I just know that they're doing what they need to do. And it's the easiest thing. Like, anyways, um, what does that actually look like in terms of more of like the, you know, physical, what does your business look like? How are you helping people? Do you have clients? Are you selling courses? Well, we uh, we are an, uh, an education platform. So we, okay. obviously we have uh, a lot of, um, we don't call them uh, courses, we call them quests because they're built with a slightly different logic than uh, traditional uh, online courses. Uh, traditional online courses are essentially a little copy of uh, the way the seminars used to work, but they're just recorded and, and presented on a different format. Quests are built actually for consumption uh, on a daily basis. So they are 
micro-chunked. <laughs> uh, mm. we, we, have, uh, we have a very specific logic how to give people transformation through little, um, you know, stacking of ideas. So I, I don't want to go into in-depth in of, uh, of explaining, um, <laughs> explaining that aspect. But we do have... Um, we do have a whole wealth of courses. So it's like a universe, you know, you can, uh, universe, university <laughs> and universe as well. <laughs> and universe, it works <laughs> as well. <laughs> but a university, you, you have a university, you can take um, a subject there or you can take the full course and get a degree. So I prefer, I prefer looking at uh, us as a university, as in you become a member and you have access to different teachers, to different classes, to, to a community. And that is what's going to change your life although you can also probably get one course and just go through the course and solve uh, solve one of your problems so uh, i i would probably have to go into uh, a little bit the theory of of transformation you know in transformation you can end up uh, two ways uh, either you are just genuinely curious and a lot of people who are listening to us i believe are genuinely curious in transformation and yep. in becoming better and just uh, it's part of the natural desire to learn and to 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 do something you know to 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 become better in in different areas of your life but there is another way to get into transformation which is to, uh, through problems you need to solve a particular problem and a lot of people because as any other business and now i'm going to be very practical uh, we depend on uh, on marketing on ads and obviously you uh, target ads to specific problems so a lot of people who come to mind valley they come because they want to solve a problem for example i have um I have a very stressful life. I need to deal with stress. I need some some course to help me to alleviate my daily stress. So I come. I found the, I find the the program, the teacher. I go through the program. I solve my problem, and I go back to my real life. So the problem with that approach is that that's not how your life becomes better. That's like putting uh, band aids on your scratches on your body. If you really want to improve your life, you have to change the way you live and you approach your life in general. So not just uh, solve the problems that arise, but actually keep mm. uh, growing and developing. And the interesting thing, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, is that your life doesn't change from 180 degree turn when you were going south and now you're going north. It changes actually massively if you just adjust your tra uh, tra trajectory by a few degrees or one degree. It doesn't seem like a big change in the beginning, but over time, the change takes you to a completely different destination. And this kind of changes are much more sustainable. So I believe in transformation through changing your lifestyle, maybe in little ways, but more sustainable, more on a daily basis, and not just, you know, approaching transformation and growth through, oh, I have to solve this problem. So this is uh, this is a very generic approach, but Mind Valley, as I said, it's an entity on its own. It's not a simple business model to explain. So we do have we do have programs, we do have memberships, so you can subscribe to everything that we have. We have a community, we have events, live events. Nowadays they're more online than live, <laughs> so there are a lot of different components to it. Uh, but um, yeah, I guess the most important the most important is in our business is that. We are trying to help people to begin a different lifestyle altogether, a lifestyle mm. which is going to, you know, as I said earlier, whatever doesn't break you, uh, doesn't kill you, doesn't mean it's going to make you stronger. We want to give people that support, that framework, that um, community, which will help them to keep becoming better no matter what life throws at them. 
Mm. It really is a, a universe. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually so good. Um, okay. So uh, I just have a, a couple more questions for you. I've loved, I just, you have a very like calming energy and your approach to things. I think it's just very, very grounded, which I know is really resonating with people these days as the thing that is most important is taking care of our energy in a crazy world that it is. Um, but you, you know, have listed all of these different things that you do and you're writing a book and, uh, you're also just, just enjoying the day as much as possible day by day, spending time with your children. How do you navigate having so many different things? What does that look like for you? (laughs) I, I really love this question. It's so, so interesting. <laughs> I mean, and I also want to give you a slightly cynical answer. Do you know about marketing? <laughs> it's how we appear, right? Well, yeah. the, the truth about me is that uh, I'm also a gamer, by the way. I spend quite a lot of time playing a game. I love that. I love to read and I love my mornings uh, at peace. I used to wake up without a lump bug, but uh, now that I'm writing a book, I've got into a new habit, which I tremendously enjoy. I thought I was uh, uh, more of an owl and an evening person, but I love waking up early, being sleepy, getting mm. my cup of coffee and, yeah. and writing my book. I'm actually enjoying this. I think uh, my trick is to do everything with enjoyment. And that is not mm. to say that I don't get stuck with my book, that I don't have to you know how sometimes uh, mental uh, effort is even harder than physical effort? Sometimes when you try yes. to, when you, you kind of have it somewhere in your head, but you can't put it out exactly. Or when you start a book, you don't know where to start. So I have those moments where it's hard. But the way I look at life is, um, has changed. I, uh, I try to remember that my job on this planet Earth is to enjoy this human experience. Yes. No matter what it is. And my favorite quote about happiness, you didn't mention happiness. Happiness seems to be the topic which gets stuck to me. My favorite quote about happiness, I learned it on this uh, long lockdown and, and pandemic and, and the world on hold and whatever you want to call it, uh, that happy are those who are on a detour and can still enjoy the scenery. Mm. And this is my priority. Can I enjoy my life even if I'm doing something which is unpleasant? Can I still keep enjoying it? And not enjoying as in, you know, joyful experience necessarily, but real, juicy, proper life. You know, like analogy would be if we go back to the gym, when you come out of the gym after a good session and everything hurts and you can't even walk on the stairs (laughs) and your limbs tremble and you can't hold a cup, you enjoy this pain. Although strictly speaking, it's a physical pain because it reminds you that there is life coursing through your body. Mm. So if I can enjoy my life, even when it's uh, painful at times, then I'm doing the right job. So uh, you did mention that uh, you also believe that you shouldn't hover over your employees. And I didn't answer it then, but I think it's important to answer. We have a different style of working with people. And uh, it is important to find people who work with your style. I'm just prioritizing my uh, process of enjoying life so much that it is important for me to find people who are independent, self-motivated, who are doing work great because I trust them. But there are different types of people who don't work with me. And Vision's style of work is very different because his enjoyment of life is, I guess, running the business. (laughs) I suspect he might not even know that. But he does like 
being plugged into business. He enjoys it. I don't enjoy it beyond a certain amount of attending certain meetings, very high strategic meetings where I can dream up things and talk to smart people. But I don't enjoy uh, being plugged into my business deeper than that. So me and Vision have a fairly different uh, style of uh, of being uh, a leader. And uh, we've obviously, because we are part of the same structure, uh, we've had people cross over from my team to his team, uh, from his team to my team. And I've noticed that people who thrive with me have harder times working with Vision. And people who have hard times working with me might actually thrive and ex- express themselves completely differently with Vision. Because I believe that we have to find the team that works with you, with your priorities, mm-hmm. with your lifestyle. My lifestyle is that I need my time, I need my peace, I need my space for creation, I need to have time to walk in the park if I feel that I need to collect my thoughts for an hour if I need it. And I need my time with my children. So I might sometimes feel a little guilty that I'm whining and telling, don't give me too many many (laughs) late at night because my night plans are suffering. But it's okay, I can deal with that little feeling of guilt. My team knows me. Because you see, there is Pareto principle, and I strongly believe in that, that says that 20% of your efforts give 80% of your results. Mm. My most important task throughout the day is to, to make sure that I'm in the best shape possible. When I have to present my genius zone, I'm going to do it at 120%. And it doesn't mean that I have to be a hamster in a wheel. But that's right. my way of working. So my life is very, very leisurely. I can tell you that. But when I work, I work super hard. Right. I love that distinction that you brought that out because it's so true. Some people, I'm the exact same as you. I don't want to be <laughs> on team meetings all the time. I don't want to, you know, need to be every single day checking in with my team members or anything like that. And I think it's exactly what you said. I attract people that don't want that either, but there are people that would want that, that operate best when they're, you know, um, very much in contact with whoever it is that they're working for or working with. Uh, so I really, really love that distinction. And I think the first thing for people to do is to look at what, what do, what kind of lifestyle does your business ideally grant you? And then making decisions from that place. If you don't want to work eight hours a day, don't build a business that requires you to. Or don't don't build build the business in that way because every business could be built in a different way. And you know, I forgot to mention one more interesting thing I just read out of a book today. And I was like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. Uh, And that idea was that uh, you have to pick your own bosses as well. So it's not maybe for for you and me, but for people who are on our teams. Mm-hmm. And it's such an interesting concept because we think that boss is granted, but we have to pick who we work with. Literally, yes. both ways, and yes. uh, not not you know I've I've fired a lot of people in my life, and I believe that I, I fire people with easy light heart when I know that I'm not the best th- thing for them, mm. that the work that they're doing is not working out for them. I know they will probably go through some hard moments and maybe disappointment. But the truth is, I only want to be, work with people who thrive with me. Yes. Oh, I love that. And that's really like, it's, that's in their best interest as well, right? Because yes. you're creating, it's like staying in a relationship with someone that you don't really love 
because you feel guilty breaking up with them. It's like, but they deserve to be loved by someone. If you can't give them that, then don't monopolize (laughs) their time and their, their heart, you know? So, um, absolutely love that. What do your daily mindset practices or meditation practices look like personally? Are you someone that more just, I mean, you've said that you wake up and you write, is it something you allow to flow or do you have a regimen that you follow? So um, my practices change like my life does. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I used to do uh, one set of practices and then they change. I adapt to, to the new circumstances. I used to live in Malaysia. Now I live in Europe and Estonia. So it's a very, very different lifestyle. And uh, the practice of waking up in the morning and writing my book, uh, I added it recently because mm-hmm. I've been talking about writing a book for a long time. I do speak. Uh, I do write short form uh, a lot, but the book was a different animal for me altogether because it's a, it's like, it's, it's one thing to write short form. Another thing is to write something so substantial. Uh, so it took me a long time to start the process. And uh, at some point I realized the way I function, I need to have things in my calendar. Otherwise they're not happening. So I, I added this book writing into the calendar, but it was behind the meetings, which was a tough thing because the way life works, daily life works is that once people wake up, they start dumping things on you. (laughs) And uh, by the end of the day, you realize you've been doing things for everybody else, but not for yourself. So uh, somewhere in summer, I thought it's not moving. My book is not moving anywhere. So I have to put it before everyone wakes up, before my kids wake up, before my team wakes up. So I started waking up in the morning. It was a tough decision. As I said, I thought I was a night owl, but God, how I enjoy it. It's, I'm so surprised. Sometimes you have to try things which you think might not work for you. So I did that just because my book wouldn't move otherwise. It's not my natural um, choice to put things in the morning. I even exercise better in the afternoon. But my days, uh, my, my practices for feeling happy, I actually have very few. I do mm-hmm. try to meditate as regularly as possible, but I'm not a very good meditator because I've... Uh, uh, you know, I, I'll probably it will sound a little bit like bragging, but I've done so much of technical meditation that I believe in taking meditation into your life with you. And because I do that, I sometimes skip the, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, official meditation or the, the right. formal meditation where you sit down and, and do it. And, uh, I incorporate it into situations. Like when I walk in the park, I try not to get distracted by, like I never listen to music or anything. I actually use this time as to ground and to be present and to be uh, in touch with what is around me. So for me, this is a meditation. Or if um, if I wait somewhere, I try not to get distracted. So I try to incorporate meditation into my daily life throughout mm-hmm. the day to carry the uh, fruits of what it is good for. But then meditation is something I can talk about for a day. Uh, so just to explain why I do that is because meditation in essence is uh, the ability to focus your attention on the things that are important to you and the ability mm-hmm. to be present in the present moment, which is actually focusing the attention. Uh, so you can practice meditation in other ways. And because I've studied it for such a long time, I've now discovered a very interesting new concept of meditating with open eyes as in not to shut off the world as it is, which is so curious. So I, I, for me, it's, um, it's a professional tool, which unfortunately I have to say I'm not very disciplined about in terms of formal meditation. But the practices which are a must for me, number one is to wake up, hug my kids and tell them that they're loved. Because I believe that every single 
person, human being, has to start the day knowing that somebody loves them. And of course, they tell me they love me too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And I mean, what I'm hearing is just this level of awareness and presence that you carry with you. And I think that that's the whole point of mindset work anyways, whatever that looks like for the individual. Oh, well, I, I might be delusional, who knows? So once in a while, I do remind myself to meditate, uh, structured meditation, you know, uh, try with other teachers. So I, I keep mm. doing that, but I'm not as, as disciplined as people might think. Uh, another practice which I'm very disciplined with is uh, going to bed practice. We, we sing with children. I like to sing lullabies. You know, singing is actually such a good technique because it um, equalizes your breathing and there is vibration of your voice. So it actually makes you feel uh, emotionally much calmer, much more grounded. So I like this. We read uh, books with kids, uh, Lord of the Rings. You might uh, hear the nerd in me. Uh, and there is one more bizarre <laughs> practice which I picked up recently. Uh, it's um, I've decided that I'm done aging. So I love that. <laughs> so when I go to bathroom, excuse me for very intimate uh, details. No, no, it's great. Uh, and take a shower. I have a super long process of, of uh, reading. Uh, so I, I put cream all over my body and it's like a little bit of a massage, a gentle massage. But as I do that, I have my little uh, affirmations about health and, and mm. youth and uh, longevity. So I do that. That's important for me too. That's beautiful. I'm done aging. I love it. And it you can. You can just make your rules like that. So amazing. Um, Christina, where can people connect with you, learn from you online? So uh, I'm most present on Instagram, but of course, because we've been talking about Mindvalley so much and I'm a co-founder mm -hmm. of Mindvalley, uh, do find Mindvalley. I'm one of the teachers there. Sometimes you'll see my content there, but there are a lot of amazing people there to to, uh, to learn from. But if you want me personally, I'm on Instagram, Christina Mand. I have a very funny Estonian name, Christina with a K. And uh, on Instagram, as I said, it's only, it's actually me writing. It's actually me talking and it's my voice. It's then later news right now I'm so much into my book I actually skip my posts regularly but mm -hmm. I'm there beautiful we're gonna post uh the links for all of that in the description so that you guys can connect with Christina and uh just thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today and just I really really resonated with so many of the metaphors and ways, perspectives through which you choose to view things. And I know that our audience will as well. And I just appreciate your time and wisdom today. Thank you, Christina. Thank you so much for having me and for giving, giving me the opportunity to talk and share. Absolutely. We, it was our pleasure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to go and check out Christina on Instagram, send her a message if you enjoyed today's episode and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or you got value from it, it would mean the world to me if you'd share it on your Instagram stories and give the podcast a five-star review, which helps me to get this message out into the ears and the hearts of those who can benefit from it. And I'll see you guys next episode.